0: Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway & Sons and for the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is multi-Grammy winning Steinway artist Robert Glasper, a jazz pianist with R&B and hip-hop leanings, who was my guest for the launch episode of Soundboard. Today, I'm gifting our listeners with an earlier interview with Glasper in celebration of his October residency at New York City's Blue Note Jazz Club, where he will perform 56 shows over the course of 28 nights starting tomorrow, October 3rd. Visit bluenotejazz.com to learn more. Glasper spoke to me at the Steinway Factory in New York. How did Radiohead become the new Cole Porter songbook?
1: <laughs> I know, right? You know what? I think it's uh, their forms, their chord changes, and melody—it just lends itself to jazz. Um, even back in the Cole Porter days, you know, there were songs, show tunes, and all these other kinds of songs that lend that weren't necessarily jazz tunes, but they lend themselves to jazz. And so, when you fast forward, you know. 60, 70 years, there's so much more music to be influenced by than Cole Porter had, than Train had. You know, and, you know, if there's so much more music, so many more genres have been born. So unless I'm walking around with my ears plugged, (laughs) I'm going to be influenced, especially in the time that I'm living, in my time period. I'm going to be influenced by what's happening today in my time period. Like, Train was influenced by what happened in his time period. So it's it's really no different than what our fathers of jazz were doing back in the day. You know, they were doing the hip-hop of the day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The only difference is we have more choices. But people want us to ignore our choices now and use the same choices that those other guys use, which makes no sense, which doesn't make you who you are. You know what I mean? Train wouldn't be who he was if he listened to somebody else's choices you know that was 50 years older than him or something you know whatever it is it's it's pretty much the
0: same thing just different time period you know the richness of those chords from radiohead it goes beyond jazz I'm thinking of the easy star all-stars who who covered okay computer wow right so now you have reggae right which reggae doesn't have a lot of chords traditionally exactly you bring those chords in suddenly it's a it's a a rich tapestry Totally. But but brighter and happier, because yeah. it's reggae. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Totally. So you just gave us a nice acoustic performance there, and you're making a bit of a, an acoustic exploration right now. Yes. Can you tell me about that.
1: Yeah. I uh, you know I, when I first got signed to Blue Note Records in 2005, you know I, I recorded like three trio records, and then I moved on and went to this other band that I have called the Robert Glasper Experiment, which is more electric. So in that band, I'm using more roads and, and keyboards, um, no acoustic piano. At first, I started off using acoustic piano, but in that particular setting, it just made sense to do keyboards. I wanted to do something totally different than Trio. So I, I did that for uh, Robert Glasper Experiment. We started in 2000 and around 2006. But We didn't go on the road and start really touring until around 2009. So I've been doing that band now for like five years straight without really playing acoustic piano. So uh, this is now, a few weeks ago, I recorded an album um, with my original trio again on an acoustic piano on that Steinway. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it felt so good to get back to it. You know, it felt amazing to get back to it. There's nothing like an actual piano, especially a really good piano. For a jazz
0: pianist, the trio is really
1: the bedrock. The trio, it, totally. It's the best way to explore, for exploration, without being by yourself. You know, it's the bed, the trio. When you have a good trio, I must say, <laughs> then you all move as one, and it's just amazing. You're able,
0: are you able to feed off each other's energy? And oh, your, man, yeah. totally, totally. I get bored with myself
1: <laughs> sometimes. So. It's great to have other guys in the band that actually feed you ideas and have their own personality on their instruments. That's what I love. That's what makes you know, my band so great, is that I feel that everybody has their own individual sound and voice. And when you have those things, it just makes up something new. It's like, you know, it's, it just makes something new and something different and something interesting every time you play.
0: What's the process of working on a tune, on an idea in a trio setting?
1: It depends on what it is. A lot of times, I might have a template, a palette, or something, like a little idea, and I'll wait until I get around the guys, and then let them kind of finish it, let them fill themselves in. I try not to write too much for the trio. I don't write too much specific things. So so this is a case where you show up with parts? Basically. Yeah. Show up with parts. Very rarely, music. (laughs) Um... You know, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, I write, when I think of songs and I'm thinking of songs in my trio, I'm thinking of the actual musicians playing. I'm thinking of Damian on drums and Vicente on bass. And that's what I write for. I write for them. I don't write for the instrument, necessarily. I write for them. I'm like, oh, I know what he's going to do here. Woo! You know, I hear what Vicente's going to do. And I think that's what gives your band character when you write for the people, not for the instrument. Um, so that's kind of what I, how I how I've always done with the trio and the experiment.
0: How does your approach to artistic expression change on an acoustic piano?
1: Man, it's, uh, you can sing through an acoustic piano. An acoustic piano is like a really soft mattress. You know, when you just lay in it, it's like, oh. A keyboard is like a futon. That's what you take a nap on. You take your afternoon nap on this food time while you're watching the Jeffersons or something on TV, you know. But when you're like, "I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna go to sleep now and take a really deep sleep," that's when you get into your bed and you know, the nice matches, covers, boom, pillows are soft. That's what a, that's what a piano is. So it's is. you know. Like that's that's what that is, and it feels so good. It's no other thing like it. And that's like I said, it's it's really how. The best way for a pianist to sing on a really good acoustic piano. You know, it's because it's really your touch can determine so much versus a keyboard. Your touch has nothing to do with it. You and, know?
0: Now, taking it out of the trio setting, when you're by yourself, when you're yourself being at your realist alone, right. how is practicing different? What changes? Um, it's just you. you sound bad. <laughs>
1: You're supposed to sound bad. You know, everybody struggles with knowing how to practice and practicing correctly. And so when you're a musician, you tend to sit down at your instrument and play and just play. And when you're playing, you sound good. But you're not necessarily getting up and knowing something you didn't know before. So the really the real way to practice is, you know, you have to sound bad because you're doing something or working on something that you don't know that you're not familiar with, you know. So it's just about getting familiar with something. So you're supposed, there's supposed to be a process of sounding bad, sounding okay, sounding good. You know what I mean? And so when I, when I actually do practice, I try to make sure that I'm working on something that I can't do or trying to get better at.
0: Do you run passages or transitions the same way a classical musician would?
1: Um, it depends, yeah, if I'm learning music. You know, if I'm learning someone's music. I haven't had to learn music in a long time because I've been doing my own stuff for so long but I actually looked, last week I did a friend of mine had a, a gig and I, I was just sitting in on one song I came back in town and he sent me an mp like in a, in a pdf of the music so I had like an hour to look at it you know so I'm looking at the music I'm like it's a lot of music so I was definitely running passages then and you know really going over it then and checking out the bass line and doing that, all that kind of stuff but uh, you know that's not my normal routine
0: as far as your normal routine, if you're creating, if you're uh, formulating an idea, what's the best way to put yourself in that sort of song?
1: Um, I get away from the piano. I write all my songs, <laughs> 90% of my songs, away from the piano. And everything since 2005, since I was recording my first album on Blue Note, has been because of my phones. The voice memo. Because the reality is, the magic for writing a song isn't going to mysteriously happen when you sit down and decide, I'm going to write a song now. That's not when the universe says. Okay, here's the song you've been looking for. The song comes when you're in a your urinal. Or, you are know, at you're on a train. So
0: you get an earworm and it's like, I got to get that out.
1: That's exactly what happens. I get an earworm. My friends know if I just bolt off running away, they know I'm running to oh, do
0: pitch design. Get dude. away from those other pitches. And, yeah, Just checking it out. It looks like you got some very short nails. Yes,
1: I um, actually have a horrible habit of biting my nails. Is it, is it a nervousness? I don't know. Actually, I heard that there's actually a name for it. There's like an actual name for this condition.
0: <laughs> but it works out well. As a you don't pianist.
1: need nails for pianos. Yeah, you, you don't need yeah. nails for piano. Yeah. Actually, they click. If you have nails, yeah. it clicks and it sounds
0: strange. Did you, when 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 you grew up uh, learning piano, did you? You start on an acoustic instrument. I had a Steinway D. Yeah, a Steinway I'm D. I'm lying.
1: I did not have a Steinway. D. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had an upright piano. Maybe uh-huh. yeah, I forget what kind it was? But we always had a piano in the house my mother was a pianist and a singer. Um, she was a real a actual singer that could accompany herself on piano. You know. So we always had um, a keyboard and an upright piano. Did she
0: write songs too? Was she a singer-songwriter?
1: She wrote songs here and there, but mostly she was like Cover Queen. Did covers, did jazz gigs, R and B gigs, folk, you know, Broadway
0: jazz, you know, all kinds of just mostly cover songs. So you started acoustic like most of us do, and then the, the keyboards came later exactly. with bands. Exactly. Yeah. First bands. Was it always jazz, or did you go through a um, you know, punk rock? Uh, no. <laughs>
1: my particular, my first band was jazz. I didn't have my own band until I was in college, I, honestly. My own band. But I played in a whole lot of different kind of bands. I played in rock bands before. I played in country bands. I play the wedding bands. <laughs> I did. Uh, I know. Uh, I know songs I'm not supposed to know. So, <laughs> you never know when those are going to coming. I will end never end. let you know I know that song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Coming back to the trio, which as yeah. as we've said is, is the bedrock of, of for any jazz pants. What made you want to come back to the foundation?
1: I guess because I just missed the piano. You know, I've been touring with my band, the Robert Glasper Experiment, for about five years now, and you know won an R and Grammy and nominated for another R and Grammy and stuff. So I've been really in this R and kick for like a few years, and my heart lies in jazz. You know, so. I don't mind doing the R&B stuff at all, because also I love that music. I love hip-hop, I love R&B, but my first love is jazz, you know? So at a certain point, I was like, you know what, let's go back and, you know. And a lot of my fans are asking for it, too. I figured it was just time. And there's a lot of cats coming up and, you know, playing the keys and trying to rip my style, so I got to come back, you know what I'm
0: saying? (laughs) Was Thelonious Monk the first hip-hop
1: pianist? He sure was. Okay. Yes, he was. Definitely the first hip-hop pianist. It's all an attitude. He was the—I mean—he had more swag than most jazz musicians. You know, I mean, if you're talking about and better swag, hats, if you know what—for people who don't know what swag is—it's like attitude. That's like your style. You know, the way it could be from the way you sit to what you wear to the way you talk, the way your attitude towards something. And between him and Miles, I don't think it gets any more swagged out. You know, between those two people. But definitely, Monk was the first hip-hop band. Just from the way he would comp, you know, Mm -hmm. the way he would would just loop something. You know, he would just loop something that literally sounds like someone's on an NPC chopping it up. You know what I mean? And nobody came before him doing that.
0: You know, Not coincidental that Wu Tang and everyone else has now sampled Monk. Now as, sampled Monk,
1: yeah. and I married into the family. That's my wife's great uncle. You know, it's it's all there. You know, what I mean? <laughs>
0: Robert. Thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: No problem. Thank you. Best of luck. Thank you, sir. All right. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Indeed.
0: listening to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. We heard Robert Glasper perform live at the Steinway factory in New York City, including everything in its right place. His final live noodle segues to Stella by Starlight from the album Covered, the Robert Glasper trio recorded live at Capitol Studios on Blue Note Records. To purchase tickets to Glasper's October residency at New York City's Blue Note Jazz Club, visit bluenotejazz.com. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Questions for the podcast can be sent to info at steinway.com with the subject heading Soundboard. Thank you for listening.